This afternoon, brothers and sisters, we turn our attention to Psalm 122. Psalm 122 is our scripture passage as well as our text, our focal point. Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. That's Psalm 122. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 122 is a special song, brothers and sisters, a joyous song, sung by the church to express her joy. I chose it as our text for this afternoon's service to express this joy together in gratitude for being together in worship to our God. It's it's that same sentiment that David expresses in this psalm. Also in the same vein of how good it is to be in the house of the Lord together with all those others with whom you belong together. Yes, what joy it is to be gathered for worship together in the house of the Lord, our Father. What joy it is to go to church, to the household of the Lord. As we used to say, east, west, at home is best. At home. That's where love reigns, where you find warmth, where you speak of the Lord and to the Lord, where you sing of the Lord, and where you enjoy the real covenant life with the Father, your heavenly Father. It's the place of communion with God and with the other saints. Of course, I realize, beloved, that David was speaking about Jerusalem, the place where he put the tabernacle, brought the ark, and wanted to build a temple for the Lord. For Israel, Jerusalem was the city of the Lord, with the house of the Lord. Going there, people came to visit with the Lord. It's still that way somewhat with the church 
too, though. Even though there are sacrifices no longer, no more priests, no curtain to hide the Lord. Today, we say, we go to church, the place where God dwells on earth throughout the world. In the New Testament, the congregation is the temple of God. As Paul shows in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17, and to Timothy, Paul writes how we ought to behave in the house of God, the household of God, the, the church of the living God, the city of the Lord, where peace dwells. So then we may still sing of Jerusalem and sing of Zion because also the church today is the city of God, the place of worship where we meet with God. Just remember the beginning of the service. Grace to you and peace, I said. It always seems as if God greets us in the way of good to see you again. I am here too with my grace and with my peace. It's the way the Lord Jesus met his disciples on the day of his resurrection, saying, peace be with you. So it's a beautiful song for the church of God today, beloved, fitting to enter a new week, to resume our work of tomorrow, and then to begin the week with this worship service together. It's more than that, though. It's not just a song which expresses personal sentiments. It's not only a psalm that fills us with joy about the peace of God in the church through Jesus Christ. It's a psalm in which the church sings about itself, sings about the peace of the church, Yet it also shows us where the church finds this peace, what she needs to do to have this peace and maintain it or restore it. Yes, King David would be the first one to warn us not to take this peace for granted, nor the prosperity of Jerusalem. Hence, he lays it upon our heart and mind to seek her peace and prosperity. That's what we hear in as our message for this afternoon as well. The people of God sing about the peace of the church. And we pay attention to three things. First of all, where they find this peace. Secondly, what they do for this peace. And thirdly, how they seek this peace. So I summarize the message of this afternoon as follows. The people of God sing about the peace of the church. We see where they find this peace, what they do for this peace, and how they seek this peace. So first of all, where they find this peace. Psalm 122, brothers and sisters, is called a song of ascents. Generally speaking, it's assumed to be one of those pilgrim songs, which the people of Israel sang when approaching Jerusalem. 
From every corner of the land, the pilgrims would come to Jerusalem for one of the great feasts, gathering together to sing and praise the Lord. Jerusalem was situated on a mountain and surrounded by mountains. What sense of safety and security it gave. Yes, likewise, the Lord himself surrounded his people the way these mountains surrounded Jerusalem, as we heard in Psalm 125. These psalms express some of the sentiments the pilgrims felt when approaching the city of David, or what is more, the city of God. Jerusalem is the city where God made his name dwell. What a city! There the throne of David and the throne of God stood side by side, David reigning by the grace of God and the people living by the grace of God. Indeed, what would David, what would the people of Israel do without the Lord? without the grace and peace of the Lord. Now, why did they feel that way, beloved? Well, for the Israelites, Jerusalem was the center of their life thanks to the service in the tabernacle. Their God was willing to dwell with his sinful people thanks to the sacrifices that were brought there. Here they made offerings for sin and guilt, sin offerings and burnt offerings. Yes, here they also expressed their thanksgiving and made their peace offerings. Indeed, the atonement for their sins and the restoration of peace with the Lord was at the heart of all their worship. No wonder they would sing in anticipation of all that. How glad I was when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord to adore his majesty, receive his blessing, bring our supplications, and receive peace from God. Yes, peace with God. That's what they found there. Peace, that is, shalom. A relationship without flaw or wrinkle. That's what Jerusalem was all about, peace with the great and holy God. There the Lord showed his people how he could live in peace with the people in spite of their sins. And then you realize, I'm sure, beloved, that those people were not always living in peace with each other. In the reality of daily life, this peace did not always prevail either due to injustices, sinful attitudes, and unholy practices among the leaders, the priests, and the people. Reality, therefore, did not always agree with the intentions of the Lord or the purposes of the worship services. Still, that may even add to the urgency of the psalm, the joy of the occasion, because the people knew that in Jerusalem only there is the administration of peace, 
the word of peace and the blessing of peace. That's why they went there. They came to seek this peace, to experience this peace, and to learn this peace. That's what they craved, a pure, whole, and perfect existence in the presence of God. God wanted to give this life, and he gave it there. <clears throat> what joyous prospect that was. Hence, they rejoiced and did not say, again? Do I have to go to church again? No, how glad I was when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. And here they are. Their feet are standing in the gates of Jerusalem, the place where they find this peace. What a city. What walls and gates it has. That is, outside of it, there may be dangers, powers that threaten life and disturb the peace, yet inside of it is peace. We can understand so well, therefore, beloved, why the Israelites had that joyous feeling when they approached the city and entered the gates. Jerusalem was the beginning of the recreation of life. The overture to the love of God in paradise restored. And a prelude to the new heaven and the new earth. Of course, not more than that. Still, it was an island of peace and perfection as far as the relationship with God was concerned. The prophets proclaimed its continuation and perfection in the whole earth. As Zechariah did, for instance, who prophesied that there would be no need for walls in the future and that God's people would inhabit Jerusalem village-wise throughout the earth. That's when they will be able to find this peace throughout the earth. Jerusalem's peace, therefore, was a foreshadowing of the peace of which the angels sang, the peace that Jesus Christ would bring, the Prince of Peace. It's this peace that makes us come here with gladness from Sunday to Sunday, and that makes us say to each other, to our children and to our neighbors, how glad I was when they said this morning, let's go with one accord to the house of the Lord. Yes, then it is today, as true as it was in Israel's time, beloved, when the tribes assembled from abroad, that there wasn't always peace among them. Yet they came because they were, first of all, the tribes of the Lord. As tribes of Israel, they differed quite a bit. During my summer vacation, I read a book about this, about the strained relationships among the tribes. What animosity, hostility, and enmity among them. David knew about that too when he became king, and only two tribes wanted him as king. Still, 
They are not just tribes of Israel. They are tribes of the Lord. People who belong together in the Lord. Yes, in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what brings them together. God chose them and put them together in order that they may share in his grace and peace together. He gives them this peace in Jerusalem in order that by his Holy Spirit they may learn to live together in peace. They're on their way to the new and even more beautiful Jerusalem together, where the rest and peace will be perfect always and in everything. That's why they go with one accord, nonetheless. It was their calling, a statute from the Lord, verse 4. Literally, it means that it is a testimony to the coming unity in peace. Again, that's why they sang with joy and praise the Lord, because they knew that this was his will for their life, for their newness of life. You see, beloved, and that puts us in the picture as well and motivates us even more to sing with joy this pilgrim song. We are on our way too. And we have advanced so much since then, thanks to the work of Jesus Christ for and with his church, and thanks to the gift of his Holy Spirit and word. Then we must learn, first of all, that all harmony and peace in the church starts with him and with our unity of faith in him and our common worship in his house. Here we are greeted with words of grace and peace. Here we receive the peace with God by baptism and in the communion at his table. Hence, with Calvin, we say, I quote, I take delight in the company of those who come with me to the worship service of God and who offer themselves to me as companions that we may find God's peace here together. End of quote. When we are called to come, we do come joyously and diligently. So that's first. Secondly, what they do for this peace. As I already indicated, brothers and sisters, in this church city, the peace of the Lord was and remains rather vulnerable. Due to sin, it can be disturbed just like that, as it did many a time. Sin against God and sin against each other. That's why David mentions in his psalm the thrones for judgment too. David's throne was standing beside the throne of God. Kings were judges in those days. In Jerusalem, courts of justice were held and judgments were pronounced, also with a view to the maintenance of this peace. David knew that his task as king under God was in the first place 
preserving his people in the peace of God or calling them back to it whenever necessary. He was called to do so by means of just judgments and just sentences. We sang about that and we read about that in Psalm 101. Things base and worthless I will not have near me. All deeds of faithless men I hate sincerely. And every day your city's peace, O Lord, will I safeguard. When it is said, therefore, beloved, that Jerusalem is built like a city, it doesn't just refer to its walls and towers, but also and especially to its good order, its holy polity and fair justice. Now we know from the history of God's people that they did not always do this as faithfully and justly as they ought to. The prophets often called God's people away from injustice. I think of Micah 3 verse 10. In the temple of the Lord also, God's statutes and ordinances were not always maintained and practiced as they should. Just read Ezekiel chapter 8. Then peace wasn't served, but disturbed. In Christ's days, there were people who wouldn't think of going to the temple of the Lord because of the corruption and injustices among the chief priests. As New Testament people, we would say church discipline wasn't exercised very faithfully. Hence, the joy and praise of God was affected too. We see that today as well when church discipline is no longer exercised in churches. Sin flourishes and the joy of faith disappears and the church buildings end up standing empty. In the church of the New Testament, beloved, we have walls and towers too, namely in the confessions around the Word and in the church order for a life of peace in the church. As Paul also explains in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40. Today also the Lord has given special men in the church, elders, whose task and calling it is to maintain the peace with him and with each other. They heed the will of the Lord and honor the law of our God when they judge and discipline the life of those who are living in sin. The purpose of judgment and discipline today still is for the peace and prosperity of the congregation of the Lord. For when there is discipline, the way Christ commanded it, teaching, teaching them to obey everything that he has, I have commanded you in the great commission that is, their Christ is in their midst. The peace of Christ is preserved and the joy of worship can be experienced. Likewise, since God is a God of order, 
Again, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way in the church so that the church may be the household of the living God as the God of peace. Hence, we abide by the church order in the way we organize our services, elect our office bearers, protect the pulpit and fence the Lord's table, to mention just a few matters. That's what we do in order to protect and maintain the peace in Jerusalem today. So if we wish to live in peace in the church, beloved, not just in the peace with God through Christ, but also in peace with each other, then we will have to promote and maintain justice. We are doing ourselves a favor if and when we pursue the proper procedures and principles together in accordance with God's Word. God's justice should prevail in the exercise of discipline for the protection of the sinner, for the preservation of the holiness of the congregation, and for the sake of God's glory. God's justice must also be accepted and respected when it comes to the way we operate our affairs and cooperate in our activities. Even then, though, we will encounter struggles and difficulties, and we will be reminded of our sins and shortcomings time and time again. Confessions and church orders cannot prevent us from failing sometimes. Therefore, we must see in the third place how the people of God can continue their songs about the peace of God when they seek this peace by prayer and supplication. Our third point, how they seek this peace. King David, beloved, shows us that we must seek the peace of Jerusalem with prayer for her and by seeking her prosperity. Indeed, this too is a matter of ora et labora, pray and work. You work on her peace by being there and by joining in the joyous singing. You will prosper her by hearing the word and doing it, serving the Lord with gladness. What a great example leaders give their people and parents can give their children in that regard. It shows in the way you deal with each other, speak about one another, and handle yourself in the midst of God's people. The more also the people of the Lord know the Lord, see his majesty, and study his word, the deeper, and the deeper the respect they will show for him and the greater the fear they instill in them. From the beginning of the psalm to its end, it's all for the glory of God, for the sake of his brothers and friends, David shows. At the heart, therefore, beloved, of our seeking of the peace of Jerusalem is the call for prayer. Pray 
for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you so be secure. Without prayer, walls and towers are inadequate for the preservation and protection of the peace. Prayer is the firm foundation under the peace of the church. Prayer will make her prosper. Prayer for the peace of the church shows that we seek the prosperity of the church. This peace is there in Jesus Christ, accomplished on the cross. He is our peace. Only a praying congregation, therefore, will be a living congregation. By prayer, we will seek the peace among us in God's house, an open house. Prayerfully, we will also share the peace with our neighbors outside the house of the Lord. Such prayers we cannot leave up to others, but with David we will say, I will say, peace be within you. I will seek your prosperity. It will include prayer for the minister in the ministry of the gospel, prayer for, for the office bearers in their exercise of discipline, prayer also for the congregation in her faithfulness and obedience. That's how we will be going on, proceeding on the way to the new Jerusalem, where we will have eternal peace through Jesus Christ the Lamb of God. Amen. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, how wonderful it is indeed to have communion with you and communion with the saints in this, your congregation. Father, we thank you that you have instilled in us that desire to share in your peace, to know the peace that surpasses understanding, namely as we find it in the work of atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ, to know the peace that passes all understanding because we find it not in ourselves but outside of ourselves in our Savior. We want to share that peace here as congregation and with our neighbors. We pray, Father, that indeed by the proclamation of your word, this peace may be continued, that it may be maintained, that it may be sustained, that it may continue to be the joy of our worship, to be at peace together, to live by the grace of God together, and to share that grace with one another in the forgiveness of our sins to each other. We pray, Father, that you will also bless the preaching of Reverend Deswarte, that you will bless him, that you will help him in his preparations, equip him for his task, and make him competent more and more in proclaiming the gospel in all its riches, the whole counsel of God. We also pray that you will bless the elders as they seek to maintain and promote the peace among the congregation too and give leadership 
that is just and righteous, that will help the people to walk in righteousness, that will show the people that they will have peace in a life of obedience and love to you and to each other. Will you bless also the ministry of mercy as the deacons go around in the congregation to see what the needs are and show the love of Christ, the mercy of God the Father in their ministry. Father, will you so bless the congregation that has such a beautiful name, adoration, for that's ultimately what the congregation is all about, that as a result of your grace and of your peace, as a fruit of the communion that we have here and worship here, your name may be adored. Your work may be adored. And your amazing grace may be reason for our songs of glory and joy and praise. Father, bind the congregation together in the unity of that faith and bless the congregation with the peace which is a foretaste of the eternal peace that we will enjoy when there will be no more sin, no more injustice, no more failings, but when we will live together in righteousness and holiness in your presence. We thank you, Father, every Sunday again when we get a foretaste of that communion in your presence. And we thank you that also today was no less communion in your presence and rejoicing in your peace. Hear us as we want to continue in that way. Also tomorrow in the congregational meeting, also as we are united together to move forward as congregation, as one body with our Savior as the head and his image as our image, that we may live to the praise of your glorious name. Amen.